With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass Amherst student Maura Murray disappeared in the White Mountains of New Hampshire in one of the most perplexing mysteries of our time. For years, we have covered Maura's case and the tireless online community that surrounds it in great detail. We have since expanded our mission with this series, raising awareness and shining a light on the stories of other missing persons. We now sit on the board of directors of the nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing, which was founded by Bruce Maitland. Bruce's daughter, Brianna Maitland, went missing from Montgomery, Vermont on March 19th of 2004, just six weeks after and about 80 miles away from where Maura Murray vanished. Private Investigations for the Missing aims to assist with investigations for underserved families whose missing loved ones have been forgotten by the media or by law enforcement. Through our growing community, we hope to shed a light on these cold cases. Families and loved ones can reach out to us at investigationsforthemissing.org. This is Missing. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing really well. I'm doing uh, really well. Can't complain. How are you today? I'm doing all right as well. And in this episode, Lance, we bring our audience the story of the disappearance of Echo Michelle Lloyd. Echo Michelle Lloyd, her disappearance is brought to us via private investigations for the missing. We have our cohort Jennifer Amell on to go over the details of Echo Michelle Lloyd's disappearance. She was last seen on May 10th, that's Mother's Day of 2020, so just last year, from Benton County, Missouri, 47 when she went missing, which would make her 49 today. She is 5 foot 4 inches, about 100 to 110 pounds, white female, born on May 23rd, 1972. 
and Echo has brown hair and brown eyes and some tattoos. Let it be with birds on her forearm, her children's name on her wrist, Kelsey, Casey, Caitlin, and Kylie. And this case came to us by way of private investigations for the missing and Echo's daughter, Kelsey, submitted this case. Kelsey has been very active on social media. She's posting Facebook videos talking about her mom's disappearance. It's very powerful. And she messaged PIs for the missing. And the document we're working off of was put together by a fantastic new researcher named Michelle. So big shout out to Michelle. Thanks a lot. And check out Private Investigations for the Missing on their social channels. There are links in the show notes. And why don't you drop by investigationsforthemissing.org to check out what they're doing. As long as you're dabbling around online, swing on over to crawlspace-media.com to find out everything going on in our little world here. Welcome back to Missing. Jennifer Amell, how are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? We're doing really well also, and, and might I say, long time no see. I know, right? I miss you guys. It's been at least a few minutes since I've seen your <laughs> Zoom faces. <laughs> right. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this episode where we talk about the missing woman, Echo Michelle Lloyd from Benton County, Missouri. Yeah, this is a super interesting case um, and pretty involved, it seems. Uh, this this case was submitted to private investigations for the missing by Echo's firstborn daughter. Her name is Kelsey Smith. And the research was actually conducted by someone you guys met recently, right? Yeah, that's right. Michelle. We met Michelle and Shayna in Saratoga Springs at the event uh, earlier this summer. And great research document done by Michelle. So big shout out to her. It's yeah, it's super. It's fantastic work. Um, her name is Michelle Tooker, um, and she actually works on um, on true crime bullshit as a researcher for um, Josh Hallmark. We're stealing her. <laughs> Well, it's pretty evident looking at this document that she put together for Echo Michelle Lloyd. It's uh, very extensive. We're looking at about a dozen pages of information. So Echo Michelle Lloyd was last seen on May 10th, 2020 in Benton County, Missouri. She was 47 when she went missing and she'd be 49 now. She's a white female, about five foot, four inches, around 100 to 110 pounds brown hair, brown eyes, and she is petite with several tattoos, one with the name of her four children, Kelsey, Casey, Caitlin, and Kylie, around her wrist. She also has a blue sexual assault survivor ribbon on her forearm, the phrase let it be with three birds in black on her right forearm, a rose on her ankle, and a butterfly on the right side of her chest. Echo is a creative, outgoing mother of four and grandmother of three. She was a longtime resident of Pleasant Hills, Missouri, but around a year prior to her disappearance, she moved about 100 miles away to Edwards, Missouri, which is in Benton County. So her new home stood on about 10 acres near the Lake of the Ozarks, and the area around Echo's home was very heavily wooded. Seems like a kind of a rural place. 
Echo moved to Edwards to live independently and sort of figure out her future and enjoy uh, life on the lake. Some boating, some swimming, some fishing. It sounds really nice. Yes. And her cousin, Mary Dubray, who is one of the spokespeople for the family, has described Echo as being courageous, bubbly, always happy. And in addition to that, she seemed pretty active growing up. She played sports and rode horses. And as an adult, she remained athletic, playing golf, fishing and paddling boats, which is pretty cool. And she's an artist and enjoys doing various art projects, especially with found objects, which sounds pretty interesting. And Kelsey Smith, Echo's firstborn and a mother herself, serves as the family's main spokesperson and is actively getting the word out about her mother's case and really doing a great job with all the uh, appearances and interviews. So shout out to Kelsey. It's a little bit of backstory on Echo's life sort of before she moved to Edwards. Um, Echo and Kelsey's father split up when Kelsey was just an infant. Kelsey and her mom were pretty close and typically spoke via phone daily or like every other day. Um, but Kelsey moved to Edwards from Pleasant Hills around the same time as her mom as well. So they lived like relatively close by, it seems. Kelsey describes her mom as a quote unquote, Dr. Doolittle, who loves animals and often rescued strays. She also notes that her mother could be a little bit naive sometimes because she always tries to see the best in people. Now, while Echo is separated from her husband, Anthony Tony Lloyd, and the father of the three children, the family say that the two still love each other and still support each other. And Tony and the three younger children, that's Casey, Caitlin, and Kylie, still live in Pleasant Hills. And Kelsey was not aware of her mother dating or using any dating websites or apps. She said her mom was taking time to find herself. And friends say that though Tony and Echo were separated, they weren't sure that it would lead to divorce. And Echo is on a few medications, including blood pressure medicine. And she is a survivor of sexual assault and was processing the trauma from being assaulted by an acquaintance about a decade prior to her disappearance. So when she went missing, she was processing this. And uh, after moving to Edwards, Echo became friends with a male neighbor and his grandfather. And this neighbor later exerted control over Echo's life. Due to the rather remote location of her property, Echo had a house phone and two cell phones, an iPhone with a, with a, I think a T-Mobile service that she had since living in Pleasant Hills, but that received poor reception in Edwards. And so she had a prepaid cell phone with Verizon service that had pretty good reception in Edwards. Um, at some point, Echo's neighbor actually took the Verizon phone for himself because he didn't have his own cell phone, which strikes me as a bit odd. But sometimes neighbors have that relationship. They're like, hey, I don't have, have this phone I'm not using. Echo's case was originally handled by the Benton County Sheriff's Office, but has since been turned over to the Missouri State Highway Patrol Missing Persons Unit. Uh, however, Sheriff Eric Knox of Benton County is still involved in the case. And Echo was last seen on Mother's Day weekend in 2020. And on Saturday, May 9th, two of Echo's friends stopped by her home. They picked up cards for Echo's daughter and grandsons and later delivered the cards to Kelsey. That evening, Kelsey spoke to her mom on the phone. Echo noted that her iPhone's texting function was acting up, and she wanted Kelsey to confirm that her younger sister had received a text that Echo had sent to her. Now, I'm not sure if there was an issue with... Um with the actual texting app on Echo's phone. I believe this was the iPhone with the T-Mobile service. 
and this received i think like a like a poor signal out in edwards that's why she had the other phone that she later gave to her neighbor um but that's probably probably why um the texts weren't really going through to her other daughter so on sunday the 10th which was mother's day that morning when kelsey tried calling her mom on both the home phone and the cell phone she noticed that the calls went straight to voicemail and despite not being able to reach her mom, Kelsey stopped by Echo's house to drop off flowers and a Mother's Day card. Echo's car was not in the driveway, and Echo did not answer the door. Kelsey left the gift and the card on the back porch, along with a note asking her mom to call her. But Echo did not reach out to her daughter on May 10th, 2020, Mother's Day, to thank her for the gift. Though Kelsey said at some point she did receive a Happy Mother's Day text from her mom. And after Echo disappeared, police and Kelsey learned of a sighting of Echo that occurred on Mother's Day. Now, what do you think of that? What do you think of the mom sending the daughter a happy Mother's Day text from her own phone after the daughter has placed Mother's Day gifts at her mom's place, at her mom's residence? Well, I wonder which happened first. I wonder if uh, that happy Mother's Day text was sent in the morning, like before... Uh, Kelsey dropped off the card because I imagine like if uh, she had seen the gift and sent a happy Mother's Day text, she would also say thank you, you know, for the card. Unless, of course, it's somebody else on Echo's phone. Yeah, which I think is a possibility here. For sure. Yeah. So there was a sighting of Echo on Mother's Day, um, but there's been some conflicting information about where exactly it was it was at a dollar general but there's like a couple dollar generals around edwards so apparently um the youtuber gray hughes investigates um got some first-hand information uh that seems to confirm that echo was last seen at the climax springs missouri dollar general which seems to be like a 12 or 13 minute drive from her home the Dollar General cashier reportedly reached out to the family after the sighting. The cashier said that she recognized Echo from previous shopping trips and said she remembers the encounter on May 10th because Echo tried to purchase a prepaid cell phone and mentioned that she wanted to call her children on Mother's Day. Yeah, this is strange when we consider that she actually did send that Happy Mother's Day text. I wonder if she was trying to send a thank you message to to her to Kelsey and her other children um, and then couldn't get through for whatever reason on her cell phone which prompted the trip to Dollar General to get another prepaid cell phone and I could see the cashier being sure about it being Echo because of the distinctive tattoos small town probably very difficult to misremember this Mother's Day you know who this person is unique name you know and again, the tattoos. I don't really think that this particular cashier is misremembering any of this. You know, you you know when you're working on a holiday, especially Mother's Day, and, and then add on just how distinctive Echo seemed to be. And there's another thing that I'm sure jogged the cashier's mind. According to this cashier, Echo's payment method was declined. And Echo mentioned that someone had drained her account. The cashier described Echo as kind of rushed and scatterbrained and she said that she seemed pretty eager to get back to her car um, the store's manager also noted that echo was shopping alone um, but mentioned that maybe people were waiting for her outside 
And in addition to the Dollar General sighting, Echo reportedly also made a purchase at a local Walmart on that same day, May 10th. And it is believed this purchase was made earlier in the day before the stop at Dollar General. And Kelsey would later find a Walmart receipt in Echo's house dating May 10th, 2020. And her mom had written something on the corner of that receipt. Kelsey doesn't recall the timestamp on the receipt or the exact item's purchase because she turned the receipt into law enforcement and hasn't seen it. Kelsey is currently trying to get surveillance footage from both the Walmart and the Dollar General store. Michelle noted here that it's likely law enforcement has a good reason for not making this footage public. Um, but because we don't have access to the footage from the Dollar General and Walmart, there are certain de- details we don't know, such as like what Echo was last seen wearing, what she purchased, who was with her, if anyone, and if she was seen driving away with anyone and exactly what time she was last seen. And, and we don't know if Kelsey remembers what was written on the receipt. But we do know that Echo made it home after these shopping trips based on the fact that the purse and that Walmart receipt were found inside her home, or at least the purse made it back. Seems odd that someone else would bring the purse and receipt back to her home. Well, what's also weird is the card and the gift uh, from Kelsey. The card was taken and opened, but the gift was left there. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. And during the week of May 11th, Kelsey tried to call her mother over several days on both her mom's house phone and iPhone. She tried calling in the morning and evening, but never reached her mom, and the calls kept going straight to voicemail. So at this point, she hasn't been able to connect with her mom aside from one text that was coming from her mom. Every other time has been her reaching out to Echo, and it goes straight to voicemail. Straight to voicemail, so no ring. Yeah. And Kelsey also reportedly texted her mom's Verizon phone, the one that the neighbor had in his possession, on either the 14th or the 15th of May. And the neighbor told Kelsey that on Mother's Day, when Kelsey stopped by, Echo wasn't home because the two of them have gone to Walmart, which connects back to the receipt that Kelsey found. And on the morning of Friday, May 15th, around 10 or 10.30, Kelsey drove to her mom's house to figure out where she was. And when Kelsey arrived at Echo's house, she saw the car. She saw her mom's car in the driveway. And the Mother's Day gift was still on the porch, but the card was no longer there. That's super strange. I wonder, like, if it was Echo who received these gifts, why she would take the card and not the present. And if it wasn't her who took the card, like, what incentive would someone have to just take the card and not the gift? Unless they thought there was, like, money in it or something but even if you're looking at a card that's not yours that's on a porch and there's a gift there why wouldn't you take both anyway i I don't know like i guess i just don't have that mindset so when kelsey stopped by her mom's house she would typically bang on her mom's bedroom window and not actually the front door she describes her mom as a night owl who would often sleep well into the late morning to like 11 a.m 12 Um, Plus, there was the noise of the air conditioner, which I'm assuming ran from a window unit um, that would make it hard for Echo to hear someone knocking on the front door. So on the morning of the 15th, when Kelsey went over to her mom's house, um, she knocked on several of the home's windows, but no one answered. She tried all the doors and they were all locked. 
Um, she checked her mom's shed where Echo liked to work on some of her art projects, but didn't find her there either. And then Kelsey decided to drop by the neighbor's house. And the neighbor answered the door, but told Kelsey he didn't know where Echo was. So Kelsey returned to her mom's house and, growing more concerned, decided to enter the home by breaking in through a window. And once inside, Kelsey went down the hall to her mom's bedroom and noticed Echo's purse under the nightstand and her cigarettes and a lighter on top of the nightstand. Kelsey says her mom never went anywhere without her purse and cigarettes. And at this point, Kelsey says she knew something was very wrong. She checked her mother's purse and her mother's wallet, and inside the wallet, she found cash and her mom's ID. The only missing items from her mom's purse were her keys, her medication, a pistol, and her cell phone. On her mom's dresser, Kelsey found the Mother's Day card she had left for her, and it was open, appearing to have been red. Okay. So that could be the answer. Yeah, we know where the card ended up. Maybe she just missed the present? I mean, I would say if it was Echo, then it's either depression, but I would also wonder why, you know, if it was someone else who got the gift and read the note and thought to message her because the note asked Echo to message her. Oh, you mean that text? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, say someone had something to do with her disappearance and they wanted to not raise the alarm that Echo was missing in some way. And it was Mother's Day, like people are expecting to hear from Echo. I guess you would go through um, those steps to kind of alleviate Echo's family that she was still around and or safe. Especially if you're already using her phone. For sure. One thing I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around is something had to happen, whether it was to Echo or by Echo, after the card was taken inside. Because no matter who took the card in... The card was next to the gift, and if someone took that card in to make it look like something, like Echo had taken the card in, why wouldn't they follow up with taking the gift in? It almost, like, when I first started thinking about it, I was thinking maybe her arms are full, maybe she's carrying a couple of bags, grabs the card just to see who left the gift, goes inside, opens it, thinks, oh, that's really nice, turns around to go back out to get the gift, and something happens there. Or somebody that's somebody else trying to make it look like it and something happened in the meantime. Right, but they didn't fully, or they didn't complete their staging of the scene um, if that was the case. They sent a text as staging but did not uh, gather the gift and open it as if they were pretending to be Echo, if that's the case. That's true. Yeah, I mean, she could have also been disoriented in some way too. Like, um... I mean, it depends where, where the card and gift were left. I mean, sometimes I even miss packages on my own front doorstep <laughs> that are kind of like hidden behind something or, you know. True. And I just want to continue real quick on Tim's point there about someone wasn't able to finish staging the scene. Mm -hmm. So something happened to stop someone from staging the scene. And I wonder if somebody had come up to the door or if the phone rang, like the house phone or something. But I think you're right. I think something happened after that card was open and someone went to go finish. And if it was staging the scene, I wonder what that was. If they were staging the scene, though, don't you think they would get rid of the purse? Well, I think the text message could be seen as staging. But the again, the person didn't really do a great job or try at all, potentially, at Echo's house, mm. if that's what happened. So Kelsey checked the rest of her mother's home and overall from her uh, perspective, 
Echo's home looked like someone else had been staying there. The house was not up to her mother's usual standard of cleanliness. For example, there was an open can of food with mold growing on it. And Kelsey shouted for her mother and looked all around inside and outside the house for her. And eventually, after not locating her mom, she called the sheriff's office. And when police arrived, they took a statement from Kelsey, conducted an initial search that lasted several hours, and the missing person case for Echo Michelle Lloyd officially began. Very interesting about the can of food with mold in it. Is there any uh, indication of what kind of food this was? Not that I know of. This could either be... I'm not sure why you might assume someone else was living there. I mean, she could have easily been interrupted after opening this can of food and, you know, taken elsewhere. doesn't necessarily mean that somebody was in the house, like, eating her food. Yeah, that's a good point. I think minimum you'd think in three days of a can of food being open, right? Yeah, for mold to grow on it, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, five days at this point. At least from Mother's Day, right? At least from Mother's Day, yeah. Now, there were searches uh, since May 15th of 2020. Several searches have been conducted for Echo. The initial police search took about six hours, and the following day on the 16th, firefighters and about 25 volunteers searched Echo's property. There was a planned canine search, but after the volunteer search, the dogs were called off as law enforcement say they do not believe Echo is on her property. Law enforcement also allegedly turned down the canine search because they did not have a starting point to conduct that search. And this detail has raised the eyebrows of the family, and they are not happy about this decision. That does seem strange, because usually the way searches are conducted is like you have a central point and then you fan outward for however many miles. You could use the house as a central starting point. And Tim Miller of EcuSearch is aware of Echo's case and has spoken to Sheriff Knox as well as Kelsey. Miller gives the sheriff a lot of credit, and according to an interview Miller gave in July, he encouraged Kelsey to speak with the sheriff's office and have faith that law enforcement is actively investigating and that things take time. Miller also noted that he and the Benton County Sheriff's Office are in agreement that EcuSearch is ready and able to work on Echo's case if and when their services are needed. So that's nice. Absolutely. So maybe they don't believe that she went missing from her home and they have reason to suspect this. And police haven't named any persons of interest, um, but we can look at the people in Echo's orbit to uh, consider what might have happened to her. There's a few people to discuss. Yeah, the first of which is her estranged husband. Um, His name again is Anthony or Tony Lloyd, and he and Echo have three children together. That's Casey, Caitlin, and Kylie. And Tony is Kelsey's stepfather. He still lives in Pleasant Hills, Missouri, which is about 100 miles away from Edwards. Kelsey describes her stepdad as a quiet, good man who loves Echo. And family and friends also note that Tony and Echo still care for each other and love one another. They separated so Echo could move out on her own and have time to discover herself and, I guess, heal from past traumas and kind of figure out her future. Tony participated in the initial searches for Echo, and neither law enforcement nor Echo's family and close friends consider Tony a person of interest. And we also have the acquaintance who sexually assaulted Echo. Remember, she has the tattoo of the sexual assault ribbon on her. And according to interviews on the Vanished podcast, our friends over there, 
Echo's friends and family noted that Echo was raped by an acquaintance about a decade prior to her disappearance. Friends and family say the man no longer lives in the state of Missouri and is not a person of interest in Echo's disappearance. And that sexual assault led Echo to purchase a gun, which is the aforementioned pistol that was missing from her purse in her home after she disappeared. Yeah, a lot of people look um, to people owning handguns, especially women, as like them being afraid of like an imminent threat. But because Echo seemed to be suffering from some post-traumatic stress after her assault, it had been a decade since her assault, but it seems like those feelings were cropping up again. And I think having survived something like that, it just makes you really leery of any kind of interactions with, uh, with men, unfortunately. And that probably led her to be like, in the event this ever happens again, I am going to protect myself. And that's probably why she had the gun. So it doesn't mean she was afraid of someone um, in her life at that moment. And uh, as alluded to earlier, Echo's male neighbor in Edwards was a central figure in her life around the time she disappeared. And his behavior is certainly unusual. While we are not publicly sharing his name, we know that he is in his 30s and was reportedly a live-in caretaker for his grandfather. He has been described as a nice and kind guy when sober, but exes who reached out to Echo's family described him as abusive. And Echo was friendly with both the neighbor and his grandfather, who she often cooked meals for. And she viewed the relationship with the neighbor as platonic, but friends and family said they believed the neighbor desired a romantic relationship with Echo. According to accounts, this neighbor would outstay his welcome at Echo's home, and he had managed to gain control of Echo's finances, along with, as previously mentioned, her second cell phone. This would explain why Echo was trying to purchase a cell phone at Dollar General on Mother's Day. It might also have something to do with her saying that her bank account was drained, and Echo was reportedly increasingly fearful of this neighbor and wanted to end their friendship and gain back control of her life. And a few weeks after Echo disappeared in June of 2020, the neighbor's grandfather was found by another neighbor on the floor of his bedroom. The grandfather had apparently fallen from bed and was critically injured. He was taken to the hospital but died a day later. This is the same neighbor who Echo had a friendship with, and she also knew the grandfather as well. And cooked Mm -hmm. for him, yeah. And cooked for him, and he was found by another neighbor Mm -hmm. on the floor, fallen out of his bed. And died a few days later. Yeah, where was his grandson? It's a great question. This is a few weeks after Echo disappeared. Very strange. He's supposed to be taking care of him. Yeah, where is he? What do you guys make of uh, this guy getting involved with Echo's finances? How do you think that happened? Man, just thinking back to when we speak to professionals in these abusive relationships, there's a, a handful of ways that somebody who's coercive enough and over a period of time can tell somebody why it's best for them to do something and a lot of the times it's taking control of communication cell phones your ability to move around so your finances i think somebody who's wired in a way where they need to be dominant knows how to manipulate enough to make these things happen over the course of time where the person doesn't realize that they're actually happening. Yeah, I would also really like to know what Echo's state of mind was um, in the days before her disappearance or even the weeks. I mean, 
judging from the fact that she had left her husband and was going on this quest to find herself and figure out, you know, what was going on with her trauma from her sexual assault seemed like she was probably very vulnerable to a personality like this. So the possible scenarios we're left with are could Echo have left on her own? And Echo's daughter, cousin, and other friends and family are emphatic that they do not believe she left on her own volition. They describe Echo as a loving, doting mother to her four children as well as a grandmother. And those closest to her say there is no way she would have left her family. Very unlikely, sounds to me. I mean, and considering what Echo left behind, too, in her home, her car, her purse, her ID, some cash, seems like it either wasn't planned or... I don't know why you would leave that stuff behind. It was also medications, too, that she that she left, right? I think we can immediately dismiss this just by the evidence that Echo needed to get away prior to this and amicably did that with her husband, had a good separation. They both supported each other. So when it came time for her to actually get away, she did it and she communicated that with people and everyone knew what was going on. I think it's really strange for somebody to say, well, I'm going to try to further get away and I'm not going to tell anyone this time. And I'm going to leave everything behind. So I think if she if she she already got away to try to work things out. Yeah, she, I mean she's not in the in the woods alone with her gun, you know, and no ID. No. You know what I mean? Like because that's the only thing that's really missing, right? It was it was basically her gun and her keys, but her car was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her medication and that cell phone was uh, missing as well. So maybe actually it does seem more likely that she left of her own volition. I don't know. It's super unlikely. I'm just saying like the medication's missing, the pistol's missing, um, her keys are missing. Like if you were leaving in a flurry, like maybe you just sort of like grabbed the things you know you need and left. Well, the last witness to have seen her called her scatterbrain that day. So yeah, I mean, I think her mental state should be questioned without a doubt. I don't think she's remaining missing of her own volition, if that makes sense. Like maybe she did leave voluntarily for whatever reason, but something happened to her after the fact. I don't know. I still stand by the fact that if she needed to get away and clear her head, she did it the the right way one time. I don't see it happening a second time so abruptly without there being some sort of circumstance that someone's not talking about. Yeah. I mean, point taken. Also, let's keep in mind that her cigarettes, right, were still mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stressful situation. If she's grabbing medication, a pistol, she's grabbing her cigarettes too. I th- yeah. think it's like if she's grabbing all these things that were in her purse, just take the purse. Right. Yeah, agreed. That said, still devil's advocate here. Um, often smokers will have multiple packs of cigarettes. And as far as stranger abduction goes, there are no known reports of strangers seen around Echo's home or during the last sighting of her at the Dollar General, even though it sounded like she alluded to people waiting for her outside during her visit in the store. Yeah, I wonder how that illusion was made. I mean, did she reference somebody outside? Did she seem kind of shifty, like looking outside like a... Someone's waiting for me. You know, like sometimes a little bit of pressure is on you to like pay quickly and get out if somebody's waiting to leave. I wonder what that situation was. And it's important to note that all of us well-versed in true crime know serial predators can go undetected for years because stranger abductions are very rare. And these types of predators know how to cover their tracks. 
However, it does not seem that this is the most likely scenario in Echo's case. And another scenario that we've discussed is regarding the neighbor that near, lived near Echo. And as reported by family and friends, Echo was fearful of her neighbor and concerned with his intentions and how he had exerted control over her life. Friends and family believe he took advantage of Echo's outgoing, kind-hearted nature and had unrequited romantic feelings for her. He had reportedly gained control over Echo's finances and her prepaid cell phone that had reception in Edwards. Yeah, I, I know we mentioned at the top of this that um, Kelsey described her mother as kind of naive. And if you have a person like her neighbor with this kind of domineering personality, he would see that naivete and potentially try to exploit it. And we mentioned earlier about the neighbor and his grandfather, and the neighbor was the live-in caretaker for his grandfather. And his grandfather did die a few weeks after with the head injury. And after his grandfather's death, the neighbor was allegedly kicked out of the grandfather's house by family and reportedly no longer lives nearby. These suspicious circumstances leave us to wonder, did Echo try to free herself from this toxic friendship, which led to the neighbor causing her harm? Yeah, I mean, with what we know right now, this neighbor is definitely the strongest suspect in Echo's case, from my perspective at least. And uh, though law enforcement has not officially named him or anyone as a person of interest at this time, it does not mean they are not investigating his connection to Echo's disappearance. Yeah, he definitely, in my mind, seems the most likely to have done something to Echo, whether they had a fight and it escalated and resulted in her death or Echo left her home in order to get away from this neighbor. The former seeming more likely. And there are a lot of unanswered questions in Echo's case, as we know, and some conflicting information. Many aspects of the case law enforcement and family can't discuss, obviously, as the investigation is still active and ongoing. And overall, the police remain tight-lipped and are keeping information close, which has concerned Kelsey at times and has led her to take initiative to speak out and become a strong advocate for her mother. She's worked tirelessly to share her mother's story far and wide, and friends and other family members have assisted as well. And we know that law enforcement just can't give anybody information on an open case, and I'm glad to see Kelsey taking a responsible route, being an advocate, and being the spokesperson, and taking initiative and not speaking out so strongly about any sort of police cover-up or anything like that. She's just trying to be the best spokesperson for her mom's disappearance as she can be. Yeah, and honestly, that's the best advice that we give um, family members of missing people. It's like to just keep their story out there and alive and in some kind of media. Um, often that functions in a couple different ways. Like it can... Um, obviously, more people know about Echo's story who might have information that could elicit tips, but it also keeps pressure on law enforcement to uh, remember that the public still cares about this case. So, in my opinion, Kelsey is doing an excellent job at uh, keeping her mother's case alive. Absolutely. And major outlets like Dateline and several podcasts and youtube channels have connected and shout out to our friends and the people we know who uh, have covered the case there and uh, the family has created a website for her bring along with a facebook page with the same name bring echo home 
As recently as July of this year, 2021, law enforcement say that they are actively investigating the case with Sheriff Knox saying that he believes several people, several people know what happened to Echo. However, not much new information has been made public and police have not named any persons of interest as we've stated before. If you do have any information about Echo Michelle Lloyd's disappearance, you can reach out to the Missouri State Highway Patrol's Missing Persons Unit, and their number is 1-800-877-3452. And check out bringechohome.com. There is a link to their GoFundMe as well. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.